Welcome to the Remote Property Sourcing Podcast. I'm Tom Wade. And I'm Tom Ashtosevsky. And in this podcast, you will learn how to build a six-figure remote property sourcing business from anywhere in the world. Without using credit checks, without prior experience, and without using your own money to buy property. Hey everyone, welcome back to part two on, on the mindset episode series we're talking about why most people fail um we kind of d- dig a little bit deeper into here like i said you might hear some background noise guys but again this is part of just doing it um you know i could go to a perfect studio but guys we just don't have the time right now to be honest with you we're, we're, we're building something special here and so yeah if you guys might put in the comments about the noise apologize about that but in the, the day this is killer content so with that said let's talk about some personal stories thomas i don't know how past you want to go but i'm i'm gonna start when I started, so I started this business, I was hungry, you know, I was a 19-year-old kid, bodybuilder. All I did was hit the gym all the time because I had nothing else to do. I was working, obviously, jobs. Um, and I was dedicated, though, but I needed an entrepreneurial lane. I didn't want to, I was the worst employee in the world. I even had a hat saying it as a joke, but I was just not very good. Um, I just wasn't. I wasn't good at taking uh, people telling me what to do and so on. And I was looking for a way to learn how to make money online. And I come across real estate, right? Anyway, long story short, I learned it. Everyone around me, I had no supporters around me. I had eight out of 10 people I knew talk me out of it. Actually, like, were going out of their way to stop me to do it. So didn't want me to do it. And um, a couple of people, my uh, granddad was really sweet. He's still around, but he's uh, you know close to passing soon. But he, he he's awesome. He was really sweet with me because he said, "Tom, just go do it. Just go, just go do it and see what happens." And that that was a big thing for me because I only needed a little bit of support because uh, people you know people encouraged me. But for a year, I'll be honest, when I learned about this, I procrastinated. I was looking for ways to talk myself out of it, of how it wouldn't work. I was looking for, I was Googling things as well, Thomas, in terms of to see how the quick sale industry was going to be regulated and it wouldn't work anymore and all of these things. I was talking myself out of everything and, um, and, and, it, and it bothered me and I procrastinated a lot. I procrastinated a lot and I wasted a year and a half of just like passively learning and not doing and that screwed me up and, and I was listening to other people. I, I pretended I wasn't listening to other people, but I was. I was listening to other people, like close family. Um, my boss, Alberto, at the time at GNC said, this is embarrassing what you're doing. You're never gonna, it's never going to work. What, what's this remote thing? It's, it seems scammy. And I listened to them people. And the day I didn't listen was when my kind of, it's like, I call it like a boomerang effect or the elastic band theory, you know, when you pull yourself back in, if you pull an elastic band back into the dark, when you finally let go, you spring forward. And that's what happened for me. But that's one story that I listened to everyone in my life. I was in the council estate. I was living with my, my brother in the bedroom. I was sleeping on the hard floor. My bed, I'm just going to be honest, guys, my bed had loads of... Um, like the mattress was 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 not like just was bent and everything it just it's i'm not going to go into too many stories about about my kind of childhood and stuff in terms of kind of the poverty i come from but it was pretty bad so you know i'm just saying like in terms of failures you know i had no we had no car i never went away on holiday um i used to go to bed hungry i used to go to bed hungry i'm just being serious guys this is not this is not a joke i used to go to bed hungry all the time because we had limited amount of food I could eat 
I was malnourished. Uh, that was my where I come from. And that's just, I know it's pretty extreme, but I'm just going to be honest and put it out there. I come from poverty in terms of, in terms of England. I'm not comparing it to Africa or anything like that. I'm sorry, guys, if, you, if you're listening to that and going through that. I, I hope this business can and help you and you can move to a Western country. But that I was born in failure. We were labeled failures. Like, um, and I'll wrap this up. I won't talk too long about this, but I'll give it 30 seconds. Is one of my uh, friends said, Tom, you're so dumb, you should work in a chicken factory. And everyone would laugh at school. Wow. Yeah, you're so dumb. You should work in a chicken factory. Wow. And that, that, that was that. That's what I believed. I believed that we were just not very smart. But then part of me knew that I was destined for greatness. I knew I was different. I think everyone feels that they're a little bit different. Everyone is unique. But most of us, I could have said, I could have allowed all of my uh, family to dictate what I was going to be. But I wanted to be the first self-made entrepreneur that got out of that environment and my family are amazing people but we just struggled with money um and like i don't want to go into too many stories but it was just we were from so-called a failed environment right you could call it like that so i i i used that and i talked about it in the last episode i leveraged that pain so whatever you're going through leverage the pain and i know you've gone through many many different things Thomas obviously it's, it's a slightly different picture right? everyone's got different stories yeah, yeah. I mean but... everyone's got that that different picture I mean from from my end you know fairly middle class um my, my my parents had worked for BT pretty much their entire careers and for me it was, it was a little bit different because my, my parents worked like really hard really hard and i saw them they used to joke that they were called bt slaves so british telecom for you guys and they used to joke i used to hear that a lot you know bt slaves and it was that sort of way my parents worked really hard they actually put me through private school education and what was really interesting for me was it was a matter of identity because i i was i was essentially um i mean some of you guys probably see my name um, my background's Polish, my family's Polish, and I was very badly bullied in school for my name and for being different. And um, on top of that, there was there was a bit of a, a wealth divide, you know. So my, just to give you guys a little painter picture about my, my family, my, my parents were very sort of, they're savers, big lifetime savers. And so the car that bought me home the day I was born is this, uh, well, by the time it was done, it was rust red, but this bright red Fiat Tipo car of the year 1989 I believe that car brought me home the day I was born it was the car that I learned to drive in and I remember this this really distinctly because my you know I had a little bit of a shame about this car and and, and, you know it wasn't as though my parents kind of struggled we went on holiday and so on and so forth but they worked very very hard and I saw that and it was very interesting being surrounded by people in, in school who, who their families were very affluent. And so when I, you know, grew up a bit more and, and sort of, I remember the careers fair and nothing that sort of popped up really interested me at all. And I said to my dad, I went, dad, you know, hey, I, I want to do houses. I want to, you know, renovate houses and, and do that. And he goes, ah, you can't do that, son. I went, well, why not? He goes, you need lots of money to do that. And I was like, oh, okay, so, all right, okay. Uh, and, and it sort of really hit me, that, that element. And I was always told that, that, you know, we don't have 
a lot of money and we've got, you know, I was always told no a lot as, as a kid. I'm very grateful to my parents. They worked very hard and, you know, gave me all the good, but it was, it was a very- I know common... that word, no. <laughs> yeah, really. I, I don't like it either. And, but it was a very common, common phrase for me. Um, but it, it, it was really interesting being around that environment with people who, you know, I, I had friends of mine who, who, again, very, very, I'm very much into my cars, guys. And so I was hanging out with people who, you know, at very young ages, they had very expensive, high-performance cars. And I remember in particular, uh, a friend of mine at the time, at the age of 26 or 27, he, he bought a Ferrari in cash, you know, 105,000 pound car he, he bought in cash. And, you know, I remember saying to him, I said, that's awesome. You know, I just, you know, really started getting my business going. I said, that's awesome. I'll, I'll, own, a, I'll own a car like that, you know, in my, in my early 30s, I will have a car like that. And he said, no, you won't. And I said, what, what do you mean? He goes, no, you won't. I've gone elaborate. And he goes, no, no. Anybody who's got a car like this at that point in their life, they've either got rich and or dead parents. And that really struck me. That really stabbed me. I was sitting there and it hurt me for a bit. And I sort of stopped and I paused. And I, you know, I didn't, I didn't hold any grudges against him for it. And I sort of thought, hang on, that's his reality. Because his story is his father passed very sadly and left a lot of money. You know, that's what had happened. And it, it really was interesting because I had started to hang about with entrepreneurs. I was meeting people who could have bought Ferraris in a month of their earning. And it, all of a sudden, you start to look around and start to think, actually, there is a difference to the way you do things. And it, it, I, I'm going on a rant and a ramble with history, but it is important to look back at your childhood and understand where, where your lessons around money, where your lessons around belief come from. Because I, I see... For example, I've got a, 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 a business partner, a mentor in, in my property business. And for him, he's constantly, his kids always said to him, oh, I want to do this. And he said, okay, how are you going to do it? And they would come up with a plan. They would go on their paper round. They'd go and do some jobs and they would get it. I'm sat there thinking, wow, what, what an example to look at how to approach money. But guys, honestly, looking at this in terms of where you are addressing these beliefs from when you're a child, addressing these beliefs of when you're growing up, your identity um, becomes so, so crucial. I mean, again, for myself, I was bullied heavily for my name. And when I hit university, I actually called myself Tom for a long time. Nothing wrong with the word Tom, no offense to my co-host here, but I called myself Tom because I was in subconsciously quite a little bit kind of I don't know, maybe I wasn't so proud of my heritage. Right, so, you, like, you, you, you retreat, right? Yeah, like it's, it's fight or flight, like you pull I back. And I mean, now, a lot of people do that in life, they yeah. pull back while, they, they, rather than go, actually, you know what? F this, yeah. I'm who I am, I'm going to leverage this, and I don't give a fuck what anyone yeah. thinks. That's true power. Yeah, exactly. And, and so for me, coming out of that environment, I... I I grabbed it and I hit my professional life at the end of university. And I said, do you know what? I'm going to own my name. I'm going to own my heritage. I'm going to own the fact that my grandparents fought, you know, through, through the war. My, my grandmother was part of the Warsaw Uprising, shooting at the Nazis. Like, I'm proud of that heritage. And for me, I look back on that and go, do you know what? I'm going to own that because of the the work, the, the blood loss, you know, coming and building something for themselves 
it, it, it drives me. It's part of who I am. It became part of my identity. And so, do you know what? Sod it. I have a long, complicated name. I'm going to own that. And the same goes with your identity. When it was well, funny. What you're saying, that's amazing, man. That, that's, and, and it is funny, and we're, we're talking about this in part three. I think we're going to do a part three, guys. And I've just come, spontaneously come up with the title is uh, Stories from the Trenches. <laughs> we're talking about, so we're going to some deeper stories because there's some stories about deals. There's some stories about kind of what people fear. The biggest things you fear, I've had. I, I, I've had people's biggest fears I've had. And guess what? It, I find it funny. I've trained myself to find things funny now. So I've trained my brain, and there's a way to do this because before, and I'll talk about this in the next episode, I'll go deeper into it, I had agoraphobia. So I couldn't, I didn't leave the house for two years, guys. Do you know, like that, it, I'm not talking about just like going out to, you know, here and there. I didn't leave my house for two years. It's extreme anxiety. Yet I can, pub, now I get anxious not public speaking in front of 200 people. So what did I do there? We yeah. can shed some light on that. I know this is about property, but I think it, it, it applies, right? But yeah, uh, yeah guys, let's, uh, we'll wrap this one up because I know you guys probably have to go to work. You're listening to this in the car or maybe you're listening to us at work. That's what I used to do. Hope you are. Don't tell your boss. And we'll talk about this in the next episode, Stories from the Trenches. And um, yeah, guys, I, I want to shed some light on kind of get you to know our personalities a little bit. You know, we're not just podcast hosts. We're humans that have a podcast. I think this is really important. We're human beings that have a podcast. We're not podcasters. <laughs> sort of make that clear, right? Um, you know, we're humans that have a property business. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just just from myself, in terms of you know going back to for me looking back at those personal stories, you know, why most people fail is because they constantly live in them. They allow them to impact their reality. Ah, and so it comes their identity, right? It comes their identity. Yeah. Those failures, that friend saying that hurtful comment, that, and and you look at it and go, life happens for me, not to me. So I need to understand that. I think it's a Jim Carrey quote: "Life happens for me, not to me." Understand that 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 at the end of the day, you have choice of how you see the world, and therefore you react to the right things. And the reticular activating system, you've probably heard it before. Uh, again, another topic in its own right. But yeah, guys, we'll catch you on the next one. It's been a lot of fun and I'm excited for the next one. So guys, catch you then. Yeah, it's right, guys. See you then.